Good morning and welcome back to another We Are Sunderland Morning Briefing. It is Friday the 9th of February. I'm joined by Dom Shaw. How are you doing, John? I'm all right, mate. Yourself? Yeah, yeah. All good, all good. We've got plenty to, to discuss today, but just a little bit of housekeeping first of all. Obviously, We Are Sunderland, uh, we're in partnership with the Farm Museum, and you might have seen online, um, we're having a night of players, pundits and podcasters on February the 23rd. Um, 7pm to late, tickets are £5 and they all go to the Farm Museum to help continue with the support and work they do in the community and raise help, uh, raise awareness Sorry, around men's mental health issues. Um, you may have seen that the podcast's now live wherever you get your podcasts, if you're not watching on social media. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, again, the support over there has been great. Don't forget to like, subscribe and comment. And yeah, let's get straight into things. Don, we were at his, um, Michael Beale's press conference yesterday. I thought he was a lot more relaxed um than he has been in previous weeks i don't know about yourself yeah definitely even more so as well when the cameras were off i think yeah and and um when you're speaking of the written press and, and i think you often find that with managers or head coaches when it just feels like they can they can relax a little bit when the cameras mm. are off and um I guess if they make an inadvertent slip, then they can correct themselves. It's not there, and it's yeah. not there being streamed live. Um, yeah, I, I thought Bill. I thought Bill spoke well yesterday. There was there, there was plenty to go out, wasn't there? I, I think the standout stuff really um, was the Romain Mundell stuff, yeah. where where he, he basically said, you know, a week ago when he came in, I kind of thought he hadn't been playing in the first half of the season at standard Liège. I, I, I didn't really expect much from him, but but mm -hmm. I've I've been surprised, and it almost said that I've I've had to change I've had to change my plan with him really, and and suggested that he's very much gonna gonna play a part in the in the second half of the season. And I know we'll probably talk about this more at length when we look at uh, when we look ahead to the to the game against Plymouth on Saturday. But he talked about the the kind of exciting team selection dilemmas he might mm. have, didn't he? He brought it on upon, upon himself to suggest that. He might be able to play Roberts, Bar and Clark in the same team. Then he talked about Mundlin and even playing four, didn't he, behind a striker? Mm. I mean, he did, he did kind of cut himself there and say that's probably as exciting for the opposition as it is for us. Um, but yeah. for all the talk of strikers this season, and no doubt we're going to talk about it again here, um, and the struggles really, that, that, that army of players he's got behind the striker... I think would be the envy of, of every manager in the championship. Yeah, it's hard to disagree, isn't it? The only thing that I would say is that, the, you know, they've spoken about XG and where they've been with that and they haven't been too far off. Um, they did, you know, take a bit of a plummet when Beale came in, but whether, you know, Christian Speakman hinted that it, you know, they'd foreshadowed that sort of like drop, which is why they got rid of Mowbray. But, then they are creating chances like yeah, that borough game at the, the weekend just gone. There was three or four good balls in the box, particularly in the last 10 minutes. I know that the Luke Thomas turned one just wide of the post towards the end, but it was just like we say, it was crying out for a striker. But the balls in the box are a yard or so behind the striker in the dangerous area. And Beal touched on it there, didn't he? In his presser and said, yeah, which it's just about working on it. We are working on that ball in the box, getting there in the final third. But as you say, that that fall behind is is frightening it, especially if they're all on their game. We saw at the end of um, Stoke, didn't we? Where when they'd gone sort of three three goals to the good, it, it was you, you could see the confidence there, which maybe we haven't seen. I feel like the, the shackles have been let off a little bit. Um, they've been 
made a bit more solid uh, under Beal. They, they look like they've got a bit more of a defensive structure and they only conceded what was it, two shots on goal at Borough. So it's it, it's there, it's 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 clear to see, but it's just unlocking that final third again and, and allowing the players to have that creative freedom while still being solid at the other end. And and what he did talk about yesterday is the balance, didn't he? That like yeah. like exactly what you say there. That he said, "I'm I'm aware of what teams are being picked outside of this building." Um, yeah. Which you know you can all look at that from like a football manager perspective, can't you? And think, well, you know, unleash unleash all four of them. Let's see what what they're capable of. But but Bale talked about that balance, and which 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 uh, which links in with what you were saying there. I think the other thing he said was, um, and you know, clearly you look at the last two weeks. Rusin's goal against Middlesbrough on on Saturday clearly was helped by the goalkeeper mm. Tom Glover making a mistake. The week earlier, Mason Burstall's goal against Stoke was like a scruffy bundle yeah. finish. But yeah. like, what the hell does that matter? Really, they've, they've yeah. scored. And and yeah. how often do you hear a kind of football fans? We've all said it. It, it doesn't matter if it's a scrappy goal. It, you you mm. want to you want a striker there on the spot, get, getting into the positions. I was disappointed with Burstow at Borough because yeah. after that Stoke game, um, it, you, you were hoping for liftoff. And I'm conscious of the fact that I'm, I was sat here last week saying, you know, give, I think what Burstow needs now is is probably five, a run of five games. And yet, I probably expect Rusin now to be in from yeah. the off against Plymouth on Saturday. But but Beale was saying that. We've 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 had goals from our strikers now in the last two games. I'm seeing promising signs. We've we've got some stuff to come out of what he was saying on on Hamia Luis Semedo, where he was talking about his finishings, his finishing in training is is brilliant. He just needs to work on the other things. Um, the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? That the Rusin yeah. and Burstow need to need to keep scoring goals, and um, I, th- I think Rusin probably looks. I, I think he won. I, I don't think he sees Rusin as a number nine. I no, think, I, I think I he sees Rusin as more of kind of a an outside forward or a deeper forward. The problem is he's got so many of them and so few strikers that his hands forced really on that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's something that me and Joel spoke about on Monday. Obviously, the it sounds hypocritical to say it or give such and such a run, and then a week later you change into the other striker. But that is. That's the that's what we're being fed, isn't it, from the managerials like team selection. So one minute it's Burstall, then it's Rusin. I agree with you on on Rusin. I do think it, it it's Beal's spoken about it a, a number of times now. Is he's not just the number nine? Okay, fair enough. But you're talking about playing him in another role. But you you simply cannot drop Jack Clark from that left hand side of the pitch just because of his output. But it would be interesting to see. We don't necessarily have the cup games. Like he doesn't have the cup games to maybe see what where you could rotate or, or whatever. So I, I do think it's probably a longer term thing rather than the immediate, like here and now, especially if Jack Clark does leave in the summer. But I agree, it's it Rusin sort of wait scored his goal from. He was practically as a, as a right winger on, on that side of the pitch. But yeah, it's there's a lot of options, but it's whether we see those options because as the season goes on, you know. The, the need for points, if they're still there or thereabouts in the playoffs, he's he's going to play his strongest team and not tinker with what he thinks or, or who he thinks can play where, isn't he? So, I th- I while I agree, he's got options. It's just when, yeah, finding the time to play them. Hundred percent, and 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 I think the balance of the team is is a of the squad probably is it is you look at the midfield for example, Bellingham, Equa, and Neil. They're probably all mm. eight yeah, rather yeah. than rather than a six. 
uh, in there. I, you know, we talked about Corey Evans yesterday and how he's still at least a month away. Um, just on the injury front, if you haven't seen Bradley Dack, it's, it's another month or so for him. Elliot Embleton's expected to play for the 21s tonight against Leicester, which is which is a big boost. Dan Ballard's fit for, for Saturday. But that midfield, I think, I think in midfield, it's it's a bit samey, really. Three, mm. you know, I, I love watching Equa Neil and Bellingham play, yeah. especially Equa. The thought Equa against Stoke was 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 class. And and when Equa's on song, I, I don't think there's there are many better players at what he does in the championship. Um, it's finding that balance, isn't it, in midfield? And I, and I think that's now going to be the the same challenge he has further forward, really. But like you say, he doesn't have any opportunities to to tinker. He has to kind of learn mm. as he goes, really. Because when you look at that league table, um, every game now is is absolutely decisive, isn't it? Um, yeah. And there are very few games, really, when you look at the table, where you're coming up against teams who have who have nothing to play for. That's the yeah. magic of this division, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, just on that, like you said, I mean, I don't know if I had my rose-tinted glasses on in the first half, like, but I actually thought the midfield were really impressive. And I don't know if you see, sometimes when you watch on the telly, you don't really see the off-the-ball work. I thought first half in particular, they actually stopped a lot of the play going through Housen and Barlas. And it wasn't until the second half where I thought Barlas, I got a bit more on the ball. And coincidentally, that's where Borough sort of started to stamp their authority on a bit. They played with Neil deeper of the three again. And yeah, I don't think that's his preferred role, but I actually think he's looked the most accomplished out of the three who've played there. It allowed Job and Equa to sort of push further forward as eight, but they also had a job on the hands with Borough's fullbacks. So like you say, the balance there has been really good. I do think something, you know, the introduction of Callum Styles in the coming weeks, we'll see what he's like. Um, it's a funny one there as well because... You know, they spoke about, I asked Christian Speakman, oh, so was was Callum Styles brought in with with the, the eye to bring in a holding midfield player? And he actually said, I don't know where the holding midfielder replics come from. But a week prior, Michael Beale had said, would like a number six so that you can have the likes of Neil and Equa playing further forward. So it is still an area that I think they need to either bring in or or, or have a play around and see who who fits that role best. Obviously, as you've touched on there, like Corey Evans, he's the out-and-out man who would fill that. But, you know, he's been crocked for nearly a year and you, there doesn't seem to be any sign of him coming back either, does it? No, and you look at Evans now. I mean, he hasn't played since January of last year. And Beale talked yesterday about how, I think rather than the, the, the actual injury now, it was a serious knee injury, he talked about kind of when you're coming back from from an injury of, of of that severity, you obviously get complications along the way. It's, it's, it's probably that knock-on effect, isn't it, of, of, of coming back and your body getting used to the impact again. Um, but where are we now? We're, we're approaching the middle of February. Evans is still, by all accounts, looking like a month or so away. Then you're, getting the, you're in the last six, seven weeks of the season. Realistically, is... Is he going to play any major role this season? I, I think that's extremely unlikely. I agree with you. I think Neil isn't a natural number six, but I think he looks more. I think he looks more comfortable there than Equa, and I think him playing there allows Equa to do what he does best. He's a driver, isn't he, Equa? He, 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 um, at times, at times, it looks. At times, watching Equa reminds me of. Remember when you were at primary school and you played with yeah. a year or two above yourself and <laughs> you couldn't get a kick because they were bigger and stronger yeah. and better. Yeah. When Ben Equas on his game, 
he's like that. It's as though he's playing a different game to some yeah. of the others, and he's just better and stronger and faster and more imposing. And and I, I love watching him. If if Beal can get the best out of Equa, um, then I think that'll go a long way to Sunderland's success in the, in the second half of the season because I think that was key to last season's success in the second half of the season, yeah. more towards the end of the campaign. Learned to get a tune out of Equa, didn't he? How much had he talked about how he, he needs to be nastier? I want to see a bit more yeah. edge and bite from him. Um, and 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 it's the same with Bellingham, really, isn't it? You forget yeah. Bellingham's age. Um, it's testament to him that he's played in as many different positions, obviously, that he's played as much football. It's finding a way to get the best out of those three brilliant talents. Yeah, I remember watching Equa for the under 21s, and I remember the one of the, the first couple of times I watched him, I thought, poor, you know, well, he's a Rolls Royce. You've got a player there. He, he just rode tackles. The only thing I would have said, and perhaps it's still one of his downfalls of his game today, is sometimes he just wants a little bit too much time on the ball. That's the only real downside. of. So it kind of comes a bit too easy to him, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, especially when they want to play with a bit of pace and sometimes he, he can slow the ball down, but that that's not taken away from anything. You know, from his play overall, I think he's really good. Just on that, I think that's something that um, Sunderland have done really well, actually, in the past year or so, especially since the takeover, is the integration of players down. Now, I've done a big bit on, obviously, how the academy's sort of transformed in, in recent years. But Adil Aushish, he, he got 90 minutes. Luis Semedo played on Monday night. Mundo got an hour. But you're starting to, you're starting to see players who, one, who are still eligible, which is quite frightening. Um, but drop down to that level. So the club itself is like using all the tools it's had available and it perhaps hasn't done that in the past. Mundell on Monday night, I thought for his first out, and I actually thought he was really good. Joe's done a really good piece on him. And um, looking back this time at Standard Liège, so that's on the website um, today if you want to take a look at that. Um, but yeah, just on what he's going to bring, because he is different to, to Jack Clark. And Michael Beale touched on that, didn't he, in his presser. Again, we've got a bit on the site about that but he's he's just Jack Clark's more of a ball carrier come deep carry the ball get Sunderland up the pitch whereas Mundell was a real willing runner in behind he's got pace to burn again similar to Clark though he cuts in on his right and there's one or two occasions where he could have scored there was one where it was cleared off the line but he is a real prospect I think and you could see why why Sunderland have gone for him the only caveat I'd say is the first time I watched Isaac Lahadji last year I thought, well, he, he's a player as well. But then he just didn't... He was one way he never seemed to get out of, like, second gear and and really cut it in, in the in the first team. But as you say, like, like plenty of young, youngsters come over and that's that's the whole... That's the game, isn't it? You've got to fulfil the potential whilst knowing that there's a player in there. I think I think that the, obvi the obvious difference with Mundell is, like, he, he, he knows... Yeah. Our game. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? He, he, he grew up at Tottenham. He, he, he trained in Tottenham's first team under Antonio Conte. Antonio Conte, by all accounts, was was a big fan. And and, and kind of while that contract uncertainty was going on at Tottenham, there were Premier League clubs interested in him. I think I think the standard Liège move was a bit of a punt from him, really. But fair play to him because I think what that shows is he's he's kind of willing to be brave. He's willing to not take the yeah. easy option, really. Um, and although that didn't work out with him, I've spoken to various managers over the years where they've talked about loan moves. I know this wasn't a loan, but they've talked about loans, mm. talked about how sometimes 
a bad loan can be more beneficial than a, than a good loan because it's all you learn. Often when you're young lads, it's the first time you're, you're living away from home. Things aren't going to plan and you've got to deal with that. I think Mundler learned so much in his six months in Belgium. Clearly a difficult time yeah. on the pitch and, and all that's come with that. Like I, th I think it has the makings of being one of those signings where a couple of years down the line, a bit like Jack Clark, really, where a couple yeah. of years down the line, other clubs are thinking, like, why, why weren't we? Why weren't we alert to that? Why weren't we aware of that? Now, I say that having not watched him because I wasn't at, I wasn't yeah. at the game on Monday night. But just everything I've read, everything I've heard, um, and and what Beal had to say at his press conference yesterday, Beal said he, he's made it clear he wants to play and he and he wants to play now. Um, I think he's exciting. I think the fact Clark's there will help Mundle as well because it was only a couple of weeks ago that Speakman was talking about the need to maybe set set out expectations for young signings and, and mm -hmm. be more transparent with our pl bigger picture plan for them just so there's not too much expectation early on. Now, Bill mm. saying what he said yesterday about Mundle will we'll only build hopes and expectations. But I think the fact that you've got Jack Clark and Abdullah Bar and Pat Roberts and whoever else is clearly going to make it difficult for Mundle to get in. That allows him to just find his feet, doesn't it? And, and, and slowly get to grips without being thrust straight into the team. I think that's been part of the problem with Hamia and yeah, yeah. the other strikers as well. Beal said it yesterday. Hamia's wearing the number nine. He's, yeah. he's come in. He's wearing the number nine. He was the only striker, the only permanent striker signed really long before the start of the season. Rusin, obviously, in my end, came in late. Burstow was alone. So he was kind of the hope, really. In an ideal world, you get a striker of his relative inexperience and age and you, and you slowly bed him in. There hasn't been the opportunity to yeah. do that. I think that's something that Sunderland are learning the need to do. Yeah, just interestingly, on that loan stuff that you said about bad loan, that's exactly what Lyndon Gooch told me on um, a couple of weeks ago. Is He had a loan spell at Gateshead and obviously he played. It was a, quite a good loan spell, but he says even... like That wasn't... He didn't have to move away, but even then you're... You're getting used to learning on the job. That was his first sort of role in, in senior football, and he had a lot to learn. So it's interesting that, you know, I think Triantis gave away two penalties against Celtic in midweek, but he's playing. He's put against, he against Celtic. Yeah. Beal like said that as well, didn't he? Look, the, he's gone up there and he's had two 90 minutes in four days, which is more than what he'd be able to get if he was still in the under 21s. Obviously, I think was it you that asked him about uh, him here in the under twenty one. So and my ender, he kind of he explained the my end alone, didn't he? And, yeah, and yeah. It's just yeah. It's about managing those players and where they're at. But just on the Speakman comment as well, I think what hasn't helped is obviously with the the conversation then was around the strikers, wasn't it? And they mm -hmm. weren't scoring. So if you brought in four, you would expect one to score. We're slowly getting past that point. We've got goals now coming slowly. But yeah, it it's difficult because you can't you can't criticize fans or, or have a go at fans for expecting a striker to score a goal. That's the whole job that might have been bought, isn't it? So yeah, hundred percent. Um, and I, you know, but I think but I don't I think Burstow has struggled because of maybe mm. the weight of expectation. When Burstow signed, I thought he has to look at being a proper signing. He'd, he'd been playing for Chelsea mm. or, or certainly involved for Chelsea in the early weeks of the season. Um, that for one reason or another hasn't worked out. I, I suspect that, that you know, just shifting ahead to Plymouth this weekend, I suspect it'll be Rusin now. Mm. Who gets a yeah. chance? What do you what do you reckon? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know we touched on how they'd set up at, at Borough and they didn't. They actually took the game to them. So I was I was surprised. It Beale spoke about Burstow playing a bit deeper against Stoke. And it, to be fair, it, he said it worked. It didn't work at Borough. I do think the way Michael Beale was speaking was, I think we'll go back to like the 4-3-3 that we've seen. But I do think Bruce will start through the middle just because he spoke about taking the game to them. Sunderland struggled with low blocks, haven't they, like at home? just Not just this year, but last year. Even in League One, they struggled when teams came and sat behind the ball. They've got, it's about finding how they get through that. I've toyed with the thought. Now, again, Michael Beale said, you know, the, picking the teams and how it works, it doesn't always work because you need a balance. But I do generally think on Burstow, I actually think you would benefit from playing with Rusin as a two rather than because you've got a body close to him, it allows Rusin to float about. So maybe that's something that you'd see on the road. I don't think we'd see it at home to Plymouth, because like you see, you've got plenty of options across across that with Clark, Paddy Roberts coming back. Bar, I agree yeah, with you. I think Rusin, if it's typical, I'm laughing because if Rusin starts and then Burstow comes off the bench and scores, then the conversation yeah. again is, is Burstow should start. But, and, it, uh, and if Rusin starts and scores, where are you next week saying? Yeah. Rusin needs four or five games now. Yeah, he, needs, yeah. he needs a run like we were saying with Burstow. I mean, I mean, clearly on Plymouth, I've seen Plymouth a couple of times this season, really impressed with them. Um, like clearly Whitaker's their, their standout player. But um, it, it helps for Sunderland that they played that 120 gruelling yeah. Midweek minute. I mean, 120 minutes against a team like Leeds. Anyway, I think it's the I think it's the mental, um, yeah. the mental examination that Leeds give you as well as the physical one. But to, but to be played in such grueling conditions as well, and and then have the long trip up. Um, I, I, I like Plymouth. I've been really impressed with them. But I think this has the look of a real opportunity for Sunderland, especially on the back of two positive results. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about it before the Borough game, didn't we? Saying that if you get a a result or a positive result at Borough. I mean, a point is a positive result if you back it up with wins. Yeah. You know, it's... it's. And Beale said that yesterday, didn't he? A, a, a yeah. Point, anything away from home, if you win your home games, then anything on the road's a decent result. And if Sunderland do that between now and the end of the season, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Yeah, there's favourable run of games, isn't it, as well, coming yeah. up against teams in the bottom half. Of course, everybody has something to play for. Like you said to me yesterday, every championship manager will, will say that, won't they? Every game's oh, yeah. a tough one. You've got to be at your best. But football cliche aside, like it's, it's true. I think just on Plymouth, they've been one of the teams that hasn't surprised because, you know, they, they did so well last year, but they're clearly a well-coached side. Like, I know Schumacher I was, has moved on. I was just about but, to say that, yeah. They are, they are yeah. such a well-coached side. You can see, you know, there's a philosophy there and how they want to play. They might not have the biggest budget, but, yeah, they, they look a, a really good side. Yeah, you look at the teams that came up, Sheffield Wednesday and the chaos that yeah. went on there. You, 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 I mean, Ipswich, you it, I think the might of Ipswich, you always fancied Ipswich to go on. And, um, you know, we, we talked about it before, the money that they were throwing about in League One last year, Nathan Broadhead last January, for example. Um, so I so I, I always fancied them to give it a right good go this year. Maybe not, maybe not to enjoy yes. quite the success they have. Same, but, yeah. but I think Plymouth's like relative success is a success for coaching, for for, for yeah. having a, for sticking with the, with the principles and, and having coming up with an idea and, and sticking with that. Um, and they've lost play, they lost Finazaz, who went back to Aston Villa and then went to Middlesbrough. Like clearly they were they were 
in a battle to keep Older Whitaker when Laxio were linked with every winger in Europe over the course of the January transfer window. But um, you, you look at them and think they're going to have more than enough to to stay in the league. Um, yeah, and even, and even last four as well, aren't they? And Just after lo- even after losing even after losing Schumacher, um, kind of a bit of an outside the box, a bit of yeah. an outside the box appointment, and um, he started well. Yeah, they're unbeaten in their last four in the league, aren't they? One, two, I think the last, you know, they've won against uh, Swansea, won against Cardiff, drew with Watford, drew with um, Huddersfield. So, I mean, they're no mugs, they're no pushovers. They're unbeaten in four coming into this. But again, like you say there, it's a real good opportunity, I feel, for Sunderland now to to start to, to put a run together. That's one thing we haven't seen. I was taking a look at the table the other day and it sounds absolutely ridiculous to say this, but I don't think... We've seen enough draws from Sunderland. They haven't been able to grind out games in that sense. Like 13 wins, 5 draws, 12 defeats. I know that's they've spoken about consistency. Beale said about deciding what team we are. But it's it's if you aren't going to win a game, make sure you don't get beat. It's the if you can't win, don't lose. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder whether that's an element of the inexperience of the squad. Mm. Maybe in a bit of like naivety and, and lack of... Like maybe streetwise championship thinking in there. Mowbray talked about it, didn't he, in the summer? And then Bale came in and talked about maybe the need to add some grey hairs. Um, mm. Like, I think game man, you come up, Bale talked about it yesterday, didn't he, with the midfield and saying against Middlesbrough last week, his three young midfielders came up against Johnny Housen and, and Dan Barlasser, who were two kind of streetwise, shrewd mm. championship midfielders. God knows how many games, I think it's more than 600 games Johnny Housen's played. Dan Barlasser knows this division inside out. He's played in it with Rotherham and Borough. Um, it, 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 it's, Sutherland's youngsters are having to learn on the job, but I wonder whether that's, that is an element of, of... I wonder whether that's part of the reason for maybe that lack of draws. Because as we go back to, if, 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 you, if you're going to win your home games, then getting if, if Sutherland just keep ticking over away from mm. home, picking up results and not getting beat, especially, I think... Um, Michael Carrick talked about this before the Sunderland game last week where he said um, because you're playing a direct rival it sounds obvious I know but not only are you winning if you do win but but a direct rival is losing a direct rival isn't picking up points and I think there's so many teams in that in that cluster who were yeah. who are looking for fifth and sixth places if you're coming up against these teams if you don't win Kind of second most important is making sure they don't they don't get the three points on the board and they don't build the momentum. I still think West Brom look like solid, don't they? You can't see West Brom form falling off a cliff. Um, but Sunderland obviously are absolutely Hull, Coventry, Sunderland, Watford, Norwich, Borough, but they're inconsistent. There's there's clearly that cluster of teams, and and it's going to be consistency that gets that sixth spot, isn't it? Yeah, like you say there, I mean, from West Brom down, I think it's there on 48, Bristol City in 14th on 38. Now, it would I don't think really anybody's talking about Bristol City in consideration for that. But you saw last year, Borough, just one team can put a run together and just end up in there by by flying up the league. Like well, Coventry have done it this year, really, haven't they? They've, they've come yeah. from nowhere to be in the position they're in. Daring now, yeah. Yeah, um, it is. It, like you say, it is. It's just consistency and it's... The thing is with consistency is there's no direct solution for it. Is it like if everybody could could be consistent, then they'd be. they'd be in there, wouldn't they? So 
yeah thanks yeah. for joining me dom um no no worries i uh what do you reckon prediction wise um saturday i've had i've answered suddenly nothing uh, 2-1, I think. Yeah, I was going to go 2-1. I think it'll be 2-1. They've done well at the back, but I, I can't see them. For some reason, I just see Plymouth nicking one, as long as it's not first goal, because you always get the feeling, don't you, if, if the away side scores first off, yeah, we go, it's going to be one of them. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm fancying Sunderland this weekend. Thanks for joining me, Dom. Um, Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot. As I said at the start, you know, we are Sunderland's Live. We're in partnership with the Farm Museum. Um, you can take advantage of our launch offer, just £1 for six months. If you've been watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a comment. And if you're on our other podcast platforms, yeah, drop us a follow over on there. We'll catch you next week.